Welcome to the Stories She Sings, where we bring messages of biblical women to life through inspired songs. We hope this podcast will be a place of rest, refuge, and refreshing in the presence of God. This is Karen Grant with the Stories She Sings. I want to share with you as we begin this new beautiful time to spend together and doing it one-on-one. You know, I've my heart has never really been for the masses. It's been for the one. And I just feel like if there is anyone out there who needs the messages of the women in the scriptures, the stories, the songs, the beautiful sense of uh, I am so happy that you're here and hope that you will feel valuable and important as the one. My beautiful daughter gave to me a quote this morning, which came via text right before I was sitting down to do this podcast. And I want to start out with the, with the theme right away. My great, great uncle is named Heber J. Grant and Heber J. Grant love the Lord. He spoke on on this focus that I want to focus on today. And he said, not only did Jesus come as a universal gift, he came as an individual offering with a personal gift for each one of us. For each one of us, he died on Calvary and his blood will continually save us, not communities, nations, or groups, but as individuals. In her quote, In this text, she went on to say, C.S. Lewis had similar feelings. He, Christ, has infinite attention to spare for each one of us. He does not have to deal with us in the mass. You are much alone with him. As you were the the only being he had ever created, when Christ died, he died for you individually just as much as if you had been the only man, and I add, or woman in the world. Thank you to my beautiful daughter, Megan, who shared that with me after I had been in prayer this morning, preparing for this number one podcast, The Stories She Sings. For the past 10 months, I have been pondering this podcast, going to the Lord, going back and forth with Him, because my relationship with Him has always been deeply personal ever since the age of 14. And I'd like to share the story of what brought me to Christ with you in just a minute. But first, I would like to share with you that that when the thought came to me through a friend named Jim Beckstrom, who said, Karen, you really need to start a podcast. Oh, my whole soul went into resistance because I've never done anything for the masses. Everything that I've done and created has been for the one. I'm a licensed massage therapist. And in my sessions, as women would come to me and lay on the table and receive a massage all the way back to 2001, you know how when you go to your hairdresser, you tell her the secrets of your heart. And when you're a massage therapist, women do the same. And after a woman would go home, I would awaken at three o'clock in the morning and song, a song would come to me in behalf of that woman, a message for her, just for her. And I would gather these songs and eventually they were put onto CDs called The Healer's Touch and Divine Essence. 
I'd already written the lullabies for my children. I had eight CDs of lullabies for my children. And I'd already written the songs in my late 20s and early 30s. And again, in, in my 40s and even my 50s for, for women about the songs of women in the scriptures. And so songwriting has been a journey for me. And each song comes with a story to tell. Each song comes with a message to share. And I'm hoping that in these podcasts that you will find a message that speaks just to your heart, that you will feel like we are sitting together, just you and I, with the Lord's Spirit, and that this isn't this isn't meant for the masses. This is meant for you. As I went to the Lord after Jim said, Karen, you need to start doing podcasts, I said to the Lord, but I don't have a whole lot of friends. I'm not a big marketer. I don't, you know, I have very precious and few friends and those precious and few mean the world to me. But I've never been one that said, oh, I I need to go become popular in the eyes of the world. And I was reminded of when I was just a young girl and I had a plaque on my wall. And on that plaque, it said, it matters not if you are great in the eyes of a thousand men, but if you are loved and treasured in the sight of God. To me, it is so important, this this ability to love the Lord and to devote our hearts to Him with a purpose in our calling and our mission and to discover and to go to Him and ask, what is my gift? What is the gift that you have imparted into me in order to go and bless the souls that I have stewardship with? And it may not be the masses. It may not be a thousand men. It may not be a thousand women. This podcast may just be for you. It may be a time where you and I come together once a week on Sunday mornings at noon and Just partake of the Lord's Spirit and learn about the women in the scriptures and the messages, the deep messages that are embedded and imprinted into those scriptures. Some of these women only have four verses written about them, yet they had beautiful lives. And it is my goal on this podcast to share with you the stories, the vignettes, the visions that I have of these women and the songs that I have written for each one of them. As a young girl at age 14, it was my desire to discover for myself if there truly was a God. And so I began to read a book of scriptures and go every day early in the morning because I had to go to early morning seminary and then I would jog at the track and then I would go to school in high school. And so as I would rise up at three o'clock in the morning, I had a stack of books beside my bed and one of them included the Bible and another included a book of Mormon. And I wanted to know for myself if there was indeed a God. And so I spent six months starting in, in probably November or maybe it was October of 1973. Uh, And no, it was 1974 because 
It was in 1975, on February 15th, two weeks before my 15th birthday, that I completed a book of scripture and decided that it was time for me to pour my heart out to the Lord. And I thought that if I cleaned my room, I had prepared myself by reading this book. Now, if I told the Lord, I'm going to clean my room so that I can see an angel and an angel can come and visit me and my room will be clean. My closet will be clean. Underneath my bed will be clean. And hopefully my heart will be clean. And so I took a bath and I tied my long curly hair back into a ribbon and put on a flannel nightgown. I still remember it with little pink flowers on it and knelt down beside my bed and began to importune the Lord. As I importuned him, nothing happened. No angel appeared. It was about four o'clock on a Sunday afternoon and I had lit a little lamp light over my bed and my light was out because the sun was still shining outside. It was four o'clock, but the time passed and soon it was dusk and it began to grow darker in my room and I remained on my knees and I continued to importune the Lord. And I told him that my friends at school some of my very dearest friends were starting to make choices that were uncomfortable for me. I myself had a boyfriend early. And even in having that boyfriend, there were choices that I was needing to make soon so that I could stay on the path of virtue. And yet there were temptations. So I came to the Lord on my knees and I said, I need to know if there truly is a God and I need to know this for myself. Will you please answer this question, Lord? Is there a God? Well, nothing happened. And I continued to remain on my knees and the light got a little darker outside and the one little lamp over my bed began to shine. Just this muted light. So my room began to grow dimmer. Finally, I said, Lord, I need to know. I need to know if there truly was a God, is a God. And if you will tell me, I promise that it will change my life and my life will never be the same. If I can just know for myself, my parents tell me there is a God. My teachers at church tell me there is a God but I need to know for me. And I promise, again, I promised, if you will tell me, if you will let me know, then my life will never be the same. Well, I don't know how many times I reiterated that, but finally the tears began to pour and I told the Lord, I'm not getting up off of my knees. I'm, I'm going to stay here for three days. I will miss school if I can't know. Until I do, I'm not getting up off my knees. And as I said that, as I reiterated that I would not get up off my knees until I knew for myself with a surety if there was a God, and if he indeed loved me, and if I indeed had inside my spirit an eternal love for him, I needed to know. And it was about that time that this very darkened room began to grow very, very bright, at least, or so it seemed, at least in my mind, 
And in my mind, there became a beautiful white ethereal light. And in that light, I saw two hands clasped together. And the words came to my mind. Yes, Karen, there is indeed a God. And your spirit does indeed love me with all your heart, might, mind, and strength. As those words were spoken into my mind, I'd never heard God whisper before. And so this made a deep impression, how inaudibly God could speak, yet your spirit could hear it as though a voice had spoken out loud. And then the tingles began to surge from the crown of my head, all the way down my arms through my fingertips, down to my toes, and back up again with a flood and a surge so beautifully significant that I could not deny that I was being filled with a love that I could not describe, a love that was pure and sweet and so powerful. When this prayer had been answered, the tears were flowing, and I ran to find my mother, who was standing in the kitchen singing hymns over the kitchen sink. She always had a hymnal opened over the kitchen sink, and she was singing hymns. And I went to her and I put my arms around her and I said, Mom, it's true. It's true. You've got to come with me. And I grabbed her by the hand and I dragged her to my bedroom. She said, what is true? What is true? And I sat her on my bed and I said, Mom, for so long now, you and Dad have been trying to teach me that there is a God and you've wanted me to grow up in the knowledge of him. But I... I have to tell you that I've been on my knees and I've received a witness from myself that yes, Karen, there is a God and your spirit loves him with your heart, might, mind, and soul. And mom, my life will never be the same. It's never going to be the same, mom, because this love that I have, mom, it's huge. And my mom and I hugged each other and cried. And for the next few minutes, I rocked my mother back and forth and bore my testimony to her of the pure love of Christ. For the next three days, I went to school. I didn't have to miss school because I had received my very own witness. And for the next three days, my heart was filled and immersed with pure love for all of the, all of those teenagers at school. You know, when you're a teenager and they divvy you out by names like the Jocks or the Lodies or the whatever, all the names that teenagers give and put each other into categories, the categories were all lifted from my heart. And all I can remember is that I wanted to hug and hold each and every one of those people and tell them how much I loved them. My heart was full. People came up to me from across the quad and said, you're radiating. There's light just emitting from you. And my heart, I couldn't stop smiling because I was so filled with this love. One of the beautiful things that were, was the result from this amazing experience with the Lord on my knees on February 15th, the day after Valentine's Day, 1975, two weeks before my birthday on March 3rd. One of the amazing things that happened was that the gift of songwriting was bestowed 
And so it was true. My life was never the same. After that experience, I wanted to capture what I felt. I wanted to capture the pure love of Christ. I wanted to make it real for everybody else. I didn't know how to do it, but the gift of songwriting was seemed to be like a new downloaded gift into my heart and into my mind. And after that, songs began to flow and pour, and I would write a song a day. It was a beautiful experience for me. It was a beautiful time. And those songs continued to pour into my heart. And gradually, I spent more and more time with the Lord, more and more time with my head bowed over my guitar. And, you know, my fingers couldn't reach all the chords like B minor and F was a really hard chord for my fingers to maneuver. And so most of my songs were all in the key of G, C, and D. And so they all pretty much sounded alike. But the Lord magnified that gift and it began to grow. And that gift continued with me on into my early years of marriage. I thought after that experience that when the Lord expressed to me that my life would never be the same, I thought that that meant that my life was going to be a cakewalk. I thought that meant it was going to be a piece of cake and that it would never be difficult. And that because I had had this experience with pure love, that I would just have a beautiful, happily ever after life. Well, you know, if you look at the lives of of people in the scriptures, just because they love the Lord, it didn't mean that their life was free of conflict or challenge. As a matter of fact, a lot of them faced more conflict. And so at 21, I married a man that I fully believed and thought that I'd done my homework with. And I thought we both had the same dedication to the Lord. I thought we both loved him. And in our letter writings while he was on a mission, we talked about how we would open our home and we would share with each other and with friends and family this kindred love of Christ that we had in common. Well, it continued to to evolve and, and that marriage pretty much from the first week began to be a trial. My husband became quickly depressed and he was overwhelmed with the financial obligations of a new husband, of being a new husband. And so in about year five, I remember that the songwriting had stopped and both of us felt despair. I felt despair because he was depressed and I didn't know how to cheer his soul. I didn't know how to lift him up. And so I would keep my prayer time confidential with the Lord and go to him often. One day as I was walking down the hallway. I had a basket of laundry, clean laundry that I'd folded and I was going to go put away in my children's room. I had a five-year-old named Ashley and a brand new baby boy named Michael. And as I passed my bedroom, I could hear the television blaring a message on the BYU devotional by Vaughn J. Featherstone. And I was just in time at that point in the hallway to hear this message And the message said, every single one of you has been given a gift. Every single person who has been born onto this planet has been given a gift. 
Not all of you know your gift, but every single one of you has one. And if you don't know your gift, go to the Lord and ask him to reveal to you the gift that he has imparted to you. Now, this may not happen all in a flood flood burst or the floodgates might not just open all at once. But if you will continuously importune the Lord and ask him to reveal your gift, I promise you that you will find it and you will discover it. And as you begin to discover the gift that God has given to you to bring to this planet, to share with the world, I ask you also to polish that gift, to perfect it, and to give it back to the Lord so that he can bless the world with your gift. This statement brought me to my knees. I knelt down over that basket full of laundry and began to cry. And I cried to the Lord and I told him, Lord, what happened? Everything in my teenage years, I was so close to you. I used to take walks in rainstorms with my umbrella and and come home and write poetry and songs for you. And somehow the light has gone out and I'm in a marriage that I thought I was supposed to say yes to. I thought that I was supposed to be in this marriage and yet it hasn't been the happily ever after bliss that I thought it would be. I was reminded that when I prayed to know if I should marry this particular individual, that the answer wasn't a resounding, yes, you're going to run off in celestial adidas and have joy and happiness forever after. What I was told when I was on my knees, importuning the Lord at age 21, when I asked if this was a good choice for me to marry this man, the words that were revealed to my mind in an inaudible whisper were these. Yes, this is your mission to marry this man and to love him and his children and the children you will bring into the world as I would love him and these children. There will be tears and there will be trials, but there will be results and you will grow closer to me by marrying him than you could by marrying any other man at this time in your life. That's a pretty interesting answer to prayer about, Lord, I've decided to marry this man. Would you let me know in my heart and my mind if I've made a correct choice? And I can tell you that from the beginning, this marriage was a trial of my faith because all of those plans that we had created in letter writing while he was serving a mission came to a screeching halt When in year three, he told me, Karen, I only married you because I thought that if I married you, I would regain the testimony of the Lord. And instead, I resent both of you. I remained in that marriage for nine more years. But by the time I was kneeling over this basket of laundry, it was year five. And I was deeply depressed because I felt that I could not please my husband. And I felt that I didn't have a gift. If I couldn't please my husband and make him happy, then how could I make anybody else happy? How could I bless the world? And what gift did I have? 
It was shortly thereafter that I began to awaken at 3 a.m. in the night, just like I had when I was 15, 16, 17, 18. And I began to awaken in the night. And the gift started to roll forth out of my pen again. But this time it came not as songs, but as stories for children. That was wonderful because now the season of my life had changed. I had a five-year-old daughter. And so I began to write these stories. This was where I was when my grandfather died. And he lived in Salt Lake City, and I was the only other living relative in Utah. And so my family came up with a plan that my husband and I would move to Salt Lake City, and we would care for my grandmother because she didn't drive. She'd been very dependent upon my grandfather, Grandpa Grant, and so the move was made. As I and my husband moved into her beautifully lit basement, with very dark windows, and there were only window wells. I I didn't have natural light, and I started to become depressed, but the gift of writing children's stories continued, and my heart was still in despair over my marriage, but the Lord was giving me a compensatory gift, and that is what I want to share with you today, that when you don't have the gift that you want, and you go to the Lord, and you ask him, Lord, Can you please help me? My marriage is troubled or something else is amiss or I have a teenage son that's on drugs or whatever might be going different than your happily ever after childhood dream. The Lord will give you a compensatory gift. And the compensatory gift for me was the gift of writing. Now, the children's stories were becoming beautiful lullabies for my children. And now I found that I was pregnant again with my third and new songs began to be written. These songs were all compiled onto my first cassette called His Perfect Love. And after that cassette was born, more songs kept coming in. In the middle of the night, now I would awaken with songs about women in the scriptures. Laura was born, and it seemed like every night at three o'clock, I would hear her little voice calling. She never cried. She would just call, and I would hear her little voice calling to me in the darkness, and I would arise and go and pick her up from her crib and carry her down the hall and nestle her and nurse her back to sleep while opening my scriptures. Ironically, it seemed that every time I opened my scriptures, it would open to scriptures about a woman in the scripture, a woman in the New Testament. One by one, I began to learn about these women's lives, that they were ordinary women just like me. Some were single. Some had not had children. Some had had children. I began to learn about their stories And this was a very lonely time for me because we didn't have a second car. I didn't know people in my new neighborhood. I was pregnant with morning sickness now again with Stephen, my fourth. And so I didn't have a lot of friends. I didn't know the masses. 
but I had a gift, and the gift was my love for the Lord and the gift of songwriting. Every night when I would awaken in the night, it was like the Lord turned on a spout of living water. And as I would read these stories, I, I began to realize that these women had to come to learn to trust him, just like I was. And so I clung to their hems as they led me symbolically to the Savior. And this once upon time fairy tale love that I had for him when all was not so rocky in my life had to develop to a new and deepening degree of maturity to learn to come unto Christ when things were deeply amiss, when my life was in travail, when my marriage was on the rocks, and when my husband, I felt and believed that he did not love me. And so I came unto Christ. And I came unto Christ as Mary of Bethany taught me to kneel down upon my knees. I came unto Christ as the woman who poured perfumed oil upon his feet. I came unto Christ with the woman who reached through the multitude to touch his hem, having an issue of blood, and who was healed. I came unto Christ as the hidden behind the scenes, mother of the daughter of Jairus whose daughter died at age 12, and who had to importune the, lo the love of the Lord to raise her daughter from the dead. I came unto Christ as Martha, who was so upset when her brother Lazarus died that the Lord had tr taken three extra days to get there. And then she beheld in absolute awe as he raised her brother from the dead. As I read these stories night after night, nursing little Laura back to sleep, my heart was touched. And I thought, if he can take those ordinary women and give them an extraordinary experience with him through their senses, they got to see him with their eyes, see his tears, see his smile, smell the scent of his hyssop-scented robe, or hear his voice speaking soothing words to them or feel his touch when he laid his hand upon their shoulders. I thought maybe through these women, I can learn how to come unto Christ when I am in deep travail. And so I did. And now, after many years, because this all began at age 15 and peaked at age 25 when I began to find the stories that would bond little children to the Savior when I had my own little five-year-old girl and I needed to teach her the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then as I came to Christ again in a whole new way for a whole new reason when my marriage was in trouble and on the rocks, and I did not have a partner who I could share the spiritual deep things of my heart and soul with. And now today, 30 years later, as I am a woman in this world, 
and I hear of the sorrows in government and high places, and I hear about the travails of what's going on in our country. And again, I go back to the Lord for a whole new reason, in a whole new way, asking, Lord, here's my gift. After years and years and decades of writing songs for Jesus, and I promised I would never write songs for this world, what can I do? What do I have to share that can comfort the brokenhearted, those who have troubled marriages? Lord, I've, I've experienced the, the experiences of the mother behind the scenes with a son who has experienced trial and heartache through alcohol abuse and, and addiction. Lord, all of my experiences now, I've had to come back to you always with a different purpose at a different season in my life. And now I am 60 years old and I come to you and I ask you, what would you have me do that I can comfort the young mothers, that I can comfort the heavy-hearted wives, that I can comfort those who are burdened in spirit because of the travails of this world, what would you have me do? And then my daughter Megan sends me this beautiful verse all about the reminder that the Lord comes to us one at a time, individually, not to the masses, but through the masses, he comes to us and he reaches forth his hand and we symbolically feel it upon our very own shoulder and we gaze into his eyes, not through the gift of the sense of sight, but through the insight of our closed eyes and our focused mind to imagine what would we see in his countenance as he gazes lovingly upon us? And we breathe in the scent of frankincense and myrrh and hyssop and galbanum and cystus and the oils of the Bible. And our senses are, open, are opened through aromatherapy as we envelop every sense we have to creatively, consciously connect to Christ. And through the gift of audible hearing, as now I begin to share through this podcast those songs that have been pretty much hidden from the world, and now they will be introduced to you one at a time. You won't hear my voice singing on the sounds of Sunday song after song after song, but you will hear on this special podcast called The Story She Sings, perhaps one or two, maybe three songs in a program with the stories about why that song was written, maybe about a woman in the scriptures, maybe a story about why that song was written for a woman of latter day. But I hope that you will come and I hope that you will set a time, aside some time, to be filled, that you will come as one woman to the well and be filled as I was 
when I went to the Lord at 3 a.m., nursing my baby Laura, and then two years later, nursing my baby Stephen back to sleep as I propped open my scriptures and hungrily and thirstily, thirstingly read. As I share with you today, I want to talk about Mary of Bethany, and I want to read to you this little verse of scripture. Now, if you've ever heard of the town of Bethany in the New Testament, you might know that Bethany was one of the few places where Christ felt loved. As he would go on his journeys to heal the sick and to bless and to teach, he would often come back to the little town of Bethany where Mary and Martha lived with their brother Lazarus. And he would come and he would sup with them. And Martha was very busy. She would prepare the dinners while Mary would sit at his feet. And we all perhaps know the story of Mary and Martha, but I'd like to share it again with you. Now it came to pass, and I'm reading from Luke 10, starting with verse 38 through verse 42. That's one, two, three, four, five verses. But I want to share with you, there's so much in these five verses. Now it came to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him, and said, Lord, Dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. I remember one of the first times I read this scripture sitting in my grandmother's basement nursing Laura back to sleep. And I thought, Lord, I feel like Mary. I love to sit at your feet and learn of thee. And I kind of understand how Martha felt too, because sometimes I have to take care of responsibilities that keep me from being able to do the Martha things, the Mary things. And sometimes I I get encumbered about and get a little resentful about scrubbing toilets and washing dishes and preparing meals. I'm not finding complete joy in this gift of motherhood, especially when I'm pregnant and feel sick and nauseated. Well, the Lord gave me a song that day, and the song is called One Perfect Heart. It's not the first song that I wrote, but it's the first song that I'm going to share with you today so that you can hear how the Lord began to teach me to combine the dutifulness of Martha and the tenderness of Mary so that I could learn to balance 
as a wife, as a mother, the obligations and the duties and the stewardships that I had for a family and to take care of changing diapers and fixing bottles and making dinner and scrubbing toilets and also finding time in the wee hours of the morning to serve Christ by listening to his word. As I share this song, One Perfect Heart, with you today, I pray that whether you identify more with Martha, who is very busy and cumbered about, or you identify more with Mary, who might sometimes let the dishes stack up because you can't get enough of your journal time or your prayer time or your scripture time, that as you listen to this song, you will see the twist on this little four-verse scripture that in this song, in this vignette that I saw in my mind, Mary turned to Martha and motioned to her to come and sit and sup at the Savior's feet while she turned and went to serve so that Martha could have her time embracing the Savior and cleaving unto him. So here is one perfect heart. We were both his precious friends. We knew him. We loved him. We both had a tender part. I gave from my heart's death till I had nothing left. I had a giving heart. Mary knew the Savior. She hungered. She thirsted. He was her life, her breath, her song. She spent hours neath his feet. She knew how to feast. Her love for him made her strong. Amazed, I gazed upon him. I served him, deserved him. Yet why did my heart not feel complete? Mary, behold Martha, behold her giving heart. Martha, I am the better part. Martha, Mary, I behold the love in both your Better part. 
This morning, as I was pondering the different seasons of my life, of a woman's life, and the different ways and times and needs that we have as we come unto Christ, I thought, you know, when I was a young mother, I needed help during my marriage. And when I was a mother of teenagers, a single mother of teenagers, I needed help from the Lord To be, as in Isaiah it says, for the Lord thy maker is thy husband. I needed help and a counselor and a confidant in the Lord so that I could be wise in my mothering. And I didn't always do it right, but I did always turn to the Lord. And now, as I approach a new season of my life where I'm happily married and we have a blended family of about oh my gosh, his nine children with their beautiful nine spouses, with my four children, with two spouses, and then you add in 49 grandchildren with one on the way, it's a new season. And then you add in that the world is in turmoil and that there's a lot of heartache out there. And there's a lot of people going through personal battles. And there's a lot of people going through grief about what's happening in high places. And the point that I'm learning today about Mary and Martha is that when I was a child, I spake as a child. And now that I'm grown, I speak differently, meaning that there are different seasons and that we come unto Christ. We are children coming unto Christ. And then as we mature up, we We not only are comforted by Christ, but we become comforters to Christ. Today, as I pondered, what would the Lord have me speak to you? The one about the message of Mary and Martha. The thought came that when we are in our infancy, we come to Christ almost like a a needy child We're hungry, we're thirsty, we want to be fed, we want to sup, we want to partake, and we are consoled and we are comforted in Christ. And then there comes that day, as happened to me just yesterday, when the radio producer called me and said, we need to start the story she sings tomorrow. Was I prepared? Was I prepared to begin sharing a message? Or was I only prepared to continue to receive the comfort of Christ, the consolation of Christ in my own trials and personal afflictions? And the Lord reminded me, as you grow and as you mature in your understanding, in your spiritual understanding, in wisdom, then it becomes your turn to comfort others in Christ. I'm sure there was a time when Mary finally felt like she was filled and that she could get up and go and serve 
and do some of the household duties and do them with joy and consecrate all of those mundane things that Martha had taken over doing and start to consecrate all of those daily quote unquote mundane chores to Christ and to consecrate the performance of every action unto him. And as Martha realized that she too had a place at Jesus's feet, that he did not expect her to make the dinner and do the dishes and clean the bathroom and scrub the baseboards and do all the yard work before she had an opportunity to come and spend time supping and feasting at his feet. As we grow and as the seasons change, as we are consoled and we are comforted like Mary and like Martha, then it becomes our turn to deliver the gift, to share the message of consolation and comfort. As we become women of Christ, women of humility, women of devotion, he asks us to take a stand and to go forth and share the pearls of our hearts that he has imparted to us in our daily divine appointments. This leads me to the song, Pearls of Perfection. And I want to share the song with you and how one day while I was nursing Stephen, my fourth baby, there I was sitting in a rocker recliner, looking at him and gazing upon this sweet little face, nursing this little sweet boy and touching his velvety cheek while opening the scriptures and reading once again at a new season in motherhood. And again, being touched by the story of Mary of Bethany. And I envisioned as though I was like unto her, kneeling. And I would like for you to visualize yourself as you listen to the words of this song, kneeling at the Savior's feet and coming unto him and gazing into his eyes and seeing his eyes twinkle and sparkle at you and seeing his look of compassion and kindness as he imparts to you every day a pearl, a pearl to strand on a symbolic pearl necklace of all of the beautiful pearls that he gives to you and that he will give to you as you go and begin or continue in your journey to find him. I want to invite you to join with me on the story she sings. The stories will all be about Christ. The songs will all be about Christ. The she might change. It might be the woman at the well. It might be the woman who poured perfumed oil on his feet. It might be the woman taken in sin, nearly stoned. It might be Queen Esther. It might be a different woman each week. But we will find the messages together, the hidden meanings in those stories through the gift of songwriting. Again, I don't bring this to the masses. I bring this to the one. And I pray that your heart will be touched that you will be comforted in whatever personal trial that you have, that if you are feeling like just an ordinary woman, that you will realize that as we together develop extraordinary faith, amazing miracles can happen.
please listen and enjoy the song that I wrote called Pearls of Perfection. sharing the pearls of perfection and the joy of the heart of Mary of Bethany. I want to invite you today to join me in a beautiful process that as you come to these calls, as you come to this call to come unto Christ, to learn of him, to listen to him, to visualize his smile, his eyes, 
that as you do this, that you will impart all five senses, that you will make this an experiential, creative, conscious connection with him. If you love essential oils, bring those oils to these calls. Bring the healing oils of the Bible. There's over 500 verses about healing oils of the Bible. I'll name some for you. There's frankincense and myrrh. There's jasmine, the garden of Hasamani, the rose of Sharon or cystus. There's coriander mentioned and fur, fur oils are mentioned. There's sandalwood and cedarwood and cypress and cinnamon and cassia. If you own any of those oils, bring them to these calls. And as you listen, relax and take a big, deep breath and just come to the story she sings and partake with me. This podcast is to be a one-on-one experiential hour where we can join together in spirit no matter where we are, no matter how many miles separate us. We are not separated in spirit. We are not separated, but held together, bonded, and united in the kindred love of Christ that we have, regardless of our political beliefs, regardless of our religious upbringings or backgrounds, regardless of our denominations, religious or non-denominations. If you have a kindred love for Christ, please join me each Sunday on the story she sings so that we can partake and learn of the messages of women in the scriptures. It's become my passion to share their stories, almost like spending so much time reading their stories and rereading their stories, almost like interviewing them and asking, is there a message that you would like to share with your sisters in modern day? And then feeling like a message has been poured into the songs. I invite you that no matter what season of your life you may be in, whether it be a season of joy or a season of travail or a season of abundance or a season of brokenheartedness or feeling Uh, temporal losses, or in need of more spiritual gains, that you will come with me to Christ in these beautiful Sunday morning podcasts, that your heart may be uplifted, that you may be filled, that you may be tutored, and that you may also be blessed by the songs that he gave to me in seasons of my life when I hungered and thirsted as though I was a Mary coming and sitting at his feet, partaking of his spirit. This is Karen Lynn Grant with the story she sings, joining you every Sunday at noon. Have a beautiful Sabbath day, and we send you love wherever you are, that you may be filled and blessed and nurtured in the spirit.